For those who remember, for those who will never forget, and for a whole new generation who will experience it for the very first time. The Star Wars Trilogy. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Tonight's episode is Table Scraps, the episode. Basically, it's all sorts of bonus content. Yes, that's the magic word, bonus content, left over from our Force Unleashed episode. Zenger and I talked for probably at least another half an hour or so, where we talked about all different things Star Wars related. And at one point, I get on my soapbox and preach to you, so I hope you enjoy being lectured at. But no, there were some interesting things we discussed that really don't fit into its own episode. So we figured, you know what? Enjoy our discussions. Check out our sponsor, SkywardFunSupply.com, from Funko Pops, the three and three quarter inch figures, and all the way to six inch black series. SkywardFunSupply.com, your home for all your Star Wars toy needs. And without further ado, let's jump in. The one thing of the Force Unleashed was the fact you went back to unfought all the Jedi. Because mm-hmm. you had Shock T, who I, 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 that's one thing I'm really disappointed with with Pablo Hidalgo. I love that Shock T is a Jedi that just won't die. Yeah, like, it's like oh, they cut Lucas was originally going to kill her with General Grievous aboard his ship. Nope, she escaped that. Oh, nope. Then you, you, kill- you know how she got out of that though, right? Uh, I forget the exact reason. The Clone Wars. The Clone oh. Wars animated series had her stuck on Coruscant instead. So. Since that since that show was technically canon, it wouldn't have made sense for her to all of a sudden be up with with Grievous. I've, well, the, you know, I I absolutely adore the micro series. I ha- I have tweeted to Pablo Hidalgo about this. He claims that Lucas had practically no involvement in the micro series. He I've says heard that the opposite. That's well, I've heard the opposite too. But the problem is that I don't know what to believe at this point. Um, I'm a little bit leaning toward Pablo. Is that how much involvement could Lucas have had, considering that he was working on the prequels while that show was in production? I, I, I mean, um, yeah. So I think like, he was probably over in New Zealand most of the time during the 2002 to 2004, working between certain things on Attack of the Clones and then Revenge of the Sith. How much involvement do you really imagine Lucas had in an animated TV show? They probably had to give him approval on stuff. Like, he had well, to get... Well, Lucas liked to delegate, though. Like, if Lucas... Like, one thing we've realized when it comes to, like, the books and stuff, Lucas also believed in letting whoever the creative people are... Like, he probably selected Jendi Tarakovsky. And he probably figured, close okay, enough. let him do it. <laughs> yeah, close enough. Uh, he probably let him do it because Lucas has it. That's something people have to realize with Lucas. Lucas has a really deep respect for letting artists do what they want. He he, he loves giving an artist an open sandbox. And I can imagine him saying like, "Oh, Jendi Tarotowski, go off and do whatever you want, and I'll try to incorporate the best I can." And I think the whole idea where you're starting to hear all these things now, where Lucas really never considered the Anakin Obi Wan off on Nilvon doing their thing. Or like, like and even like, and I think the best. You know, like I, said, I I love the Clone Wars. I cannot I cannot overstate that. But like, look what happened with Grievous. You have Grievous in Episode Twenty of that show, and he is truly menacing beyond belief. He is a scary character. You have this silent robot creature that has these like almost cat like features because and you have all that, 
and he's wiping out Jedi left and right. Like, and he, he stomps the shag, shaggy Jedi to death. And that's kind of up there with Rogue One Darth Vader in the scariest moments of Star Wars. And you have all that. And then by the time you get Grievous, and you watch the second season of The Clone Wars, and even though Grievous is still menacing, he's not as menacing as, that, as he was in Episode 20. Then you get to Revenge of the Sith, and Grievous is a mustache-twirling villain. He, he, that's exactly what he is. He's not meant to be taken seriously. And then you get to the Clone Wars um, 2008 series, and Grievous is just a laughing stock. He can't do anything right. He's, a bum- he's basically one step above a bumbling idiot. I I don't like the evolution of Grievous. I liked him in the series, and I thought that his transition in the movie was okay. Because, I mean, he got his chest crushed, so, I mean, might be might be some reasonable stuff there. But then when they when, when they did the new Star Wars, um, Clone Wars stuff, it's just, he turned into the, I mean, all of them turned into bumbling idiots. Yeah. Sort of. It's, it's, it's like, how is this even a war? I understand, you know, the show is, I'm not going to say it's for kids, because I know that there is the memes and there's everything about it. I understand that the show isn't, but it is kind of vaguely mm-hmm. aimed at children for to an extent. But at the same time, you kind of had to have him fallible to have him be like he could not been as owning everything around him as he was in the Taranovsky series because it wouldn't have made sense. I mean, he does do a good job, but he just he would have just destroyed everyone around him and it wouldn't have been. It's, it's like, how does anyone go up against this guy? Well, that's it. But like if you watch again, this is all it requires you to go back in time a little bit and, and put yourself in the mindset of 2005. So like it's let's let's say it's May the first week of May of two thousand five. You've not seen Revenge of the Sith yet, but you've just finished the second season of the micro series, and you watch that. And Grievous is more or less unstoppable. You can outrun him. That's really all you can do. You cannot. You can't outfight him. There's no defeating him. And. By the time you get to Revenge of the Sith, and, and again, you have, you're ignoring the 2008 series, you have the idea that Grievous's chest was crushed by Mace Windu. And you have all that, to, and you hear Mace Windu talk about Grievous, and, he does, and then you have the Jedi Council scenes where they mention him, and they make him sound like he's someone that they can never get a grasp on, in the sense of not because he's a bumbling idiot that seems to just, oh God, slip through their grasp, but because he actually is a threat that mm-hmm. can't be stopped because he is something they've never encountered before. And I know, I know back in Legends, they did all this weird stuff where he had uh, Sifo-Dyas blood and all that weird stuff. But, and that's what he came down to. And then over time with the 2008 series, he did become this character that no, nobody took seriously. Think about it. The Gungans defeated him at one point in the 2008 series. And that's fine. I that, That's, again, matter of preference. But... You can't take the character seriously at that point, or he's not meant to be seen the same way. And I imagine that was a Tartovsky or his creative people's decision to make him menacing in the in his series. Well, because that was the reveal did. of him. Like they were the ones who revealed who Grievous was and what he was able to do. So that's just something that I think is very interesting that, you know, they, they, they had their ability to sort of, you know, Lucasfilm gave them this, you know, here's this character. We need you to flesh him out in here because he's really not going to have any character development in the movie. I don't even think it got that far. I think it was Taratoski said we want to tie this series. We want to do the Clone Wars. And, and, and they probably asked Lucas or whoever Lucas's assistant was, well, how far can we get with this? 
they said, well, the Revenge of the Sith film is going to conclude the Clone War, but we're going to have this character in it called General Grievous. And you probably have seen, Zenger, all the behind-the-scenes footage mm-hmm. of Revenge of the Sith, where Lucas is going around with his little stamper, like giving his approvals for certain illustrations to be developed further. This will be in the, the movie. This yeah. is going to not be. Yes. And he or finds Gungans. Little, yeah. And he finds the one picture of, like, what's it, the child that's supposed to be General Grievous, and he makes the comment, someone around here must be a parent. And and you have all that, and I think you, you look at again. This is again when we eventually discuss the 2003 micro series, which we will get to eventually, but we're going to wait until after the Last Jedi to do that. And you watch the 2003 micro series, and you watch that episode 20. That's it. You don't watch the second season, just that one episode. And then you watch Revenge of the Sith. It's practically a different character. It yeah. has, the the voice is not there. The the movements of the body aren't there. It's other than the name, there's really nothing. And I think what happened was they, they Lucas and the production team for Avengers Sith probably didn't even have a good idea of what General Grievous was at that time. They probably just had a they very, very not, rough idea. They were not given the information about his arms being able to split apart until much later. That's why they had him utilize his feet and stuff to fight when they I first showed him off, which I, I thought that. that which I thought that was awesome is that that's how formidable he was, even without his, you know, ability to snap his arms apart and everything. Yep. That, and that's, and that's what it comes down to. So I think like, this is another example of less is more in the sense of, so you have, and again, I love the fact that green, and can, I, I can, I, you know, I think I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again in that I can remember racing home. Because I forgot to set the VCR. Because I remember I was out to dinner with my mother, father, and my nephew, mm-hmm. who was only like he was he's only sixteen months younger than me. I was only ten years old at the time. And I remember we were at a restaurant and we were well racing home, or at least I like to hope that my parents were listening to me, so I could sit there watch this last episode. And I'd forgotten it was an extra long episode. I think it was ten minutes long as opposed yeah. to the three minute long ones. And I can still remember turning the TV on at the at the exact moment Grievous appears. I think it was right after he stomped the Jedi, the Shaggy Jedi. And I remember just being absolutely blown away by it. And this is obviously long before DVRs where you could rewind things and do stuff like that. And I think I had to wait like at least another week until they re-aired it. And I remember it just being the it was the coolest freaking thing in the world. It really was because it was. Just, it's like, oh my god, this is five Jedi versus one, and it was Jedi like Shakti and Kiati Mundi were who we were familiar with. It wasn't just like a bunch of no name Jedi that were nobodies, and that really was something that was like it was mind blowing to a ten year old. Oh, the the whole ba- sorry, I've got it actually playing now in the background. The whole scene is is crazy because you got like this downed Rebel ship. I mean, not Rebel downed. Um, Republic. ship and you've got it surrounded and then you just have this this figure just be like hey i've got this now with yep. these army of you know uh battle droids that it's like what they can't handle this or and it's it's just such a great scene and everything well it's so and also another thing i think this is another one of the things where again i have i uh, deep 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 respect for george lucas but i think he doesn't understand how you can make Star Wars different by doing less. 
Like that's one of the hardest things in life is how to do more with less. And so, like you were saying, you have all you have the droid army. You have the whole fact that the shiny. Oh no! This is, this entire series was doing more with less. There was very little speaking parts in it, and it's like I think there's one or two episodes where there isn't even any speaking. Well, yeah, the Mace Windu, the whole stuff with Mace Windu on Dantooine, there's no speaking. Yeah, and it makes it great because it's like actions do everything for this for this show. Yeah. Yep, and that's and that was the genius in that. And the funny thing is that, and I know people still remember the 2003 micro series. Like it's still discussed. And it's held I'll never high- forget it. Oh yeah, it's still held in high regard across the fan base. But the problem is that unless you were around during that time period, nobody talks about it anymore. No, no think- one does. Like I bring it up, and people who know about it like instantly are like, "Oh my gosh, yes." But it's yeah, not something that is a very widely known thing anymore since it's not continuity. And, you know, you can only very find on YouTube or if you're lucky enough to have, like, DVD copies of it. I mean. Well, how you know Lucasfilm doesn't give a, a crap about it? The fact that it's on, it's on YouTube in HD and they're not even trying to pull it down. They don't care. That's, if you want to know where a company's priorities are, see what they're trying Check to pull YouTube. off YouTube. <laughs> That's how, that's how you can tell what a company prioritizes. If they're trying to pull it off YouTube, that means they have a financial stake in it. If it's on YouTube and somebody else is making money off of it, they do not care. Don't care at all. And even too, I remember even hearing um, rumors back in 2008 that Lucas deliberately told like when Hasbro wanted to re-release a lot of the merchandise from the um, 2000. Yeah, from the 2000. Well, not okay. Let me rephrase that. Lucasfilm, or no, I'm sorry, Hasbro wanted to sit there, do merchandise for the 2008 series, or like take some of the older stuff and just re-release it under the Clone Wars um, a re- real like live-action banner when they take things. And Lucasfilm told them, do not mention that series. That that was kind of considered, a, I don't want to say red-headed stepchild, but that's essentially what it was. It was just kind of like, we don't talk about that, it had its moment, and that's not what it is. And that's why, like, when certain things are pulled from the canon, like I know in um, the, the book Catalyst, the yeah. Battle of Hypori is mentioned. It is mentioned as being an overwhelming defeat loss for the Republic. And I asked Pablo Hidalgo about it, and he was very, as he usually is, he's very cryptic. And I said, oh, it's mentioned. How much of that battle is canon? And he goes, well, it's safe to say everything. He said it's safe to say the Shaggy Jedi isn't in the new version, and and obviously other people saw that. And other people and other people start hijacking the conversation because they ask him stupid questions like, "So Scooby Doo isn't in Star Wars too?" And it's like, well, there <laughs> goes Pop. Okay, at that point, Pablo doesn't engage anymore. He completely walks away because he's not going to answer stupid questions. So I asked him. I said, "Oh." Would that mean it's the first? Is the Battle of Hypori the first appearance of General Grievous? And he again at that point he 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 wouldn't respond anymore. So and that's and that's what it is. So the Battle of Hypori is there. So I would imagine the fact he said the Shaggy Jedi isn't there. It leads me to believe that at I least I thought that they didn't want him in there because it was something about it was a it was a Jedi showing fear. Yeah, that's that's the Luke. Yeah, yeah, Pablo said that too. Because somebody said somebody again asked the question about Shaggy, and that wasn't like, oh, Jedi aren't supposed to have fear like that. But then somebody else responded to Pablo, and that's from one. If you contradict Pablo a little too much, 
he get, he shuts down because if if you challenge his way of looking at something, he he won't respond. Or if he does, he'll he'll become more snide. And someone said, that, "Oh, but wasn't that supposed to be reflective of the fact that the Jedi Council was was I don't want to say churning out, but they were granting knighthood to to apprentices that weren't ready yet." And that makes sense, considering the fact that they really were. And I know numerous times throughout the the series and the animated, the 2008 series, it is referenced of, oh, we don't have enough Jedi. We should be have we should be putting more into the field. And that is a it's not a big talking point, but it's there. And again, someone did bring that up, which I think is a valid I, counterpoint. And I again, think that they can feel. I, I'm sorry, it's just impossible to think that you can't experience fear. At well, all. I, I mean, I understand. Luke did. Luke experience had fear during his training. I mean, it's it's impossible not to. Yeah, and that's and I so, think that's. But I think that also makes sense, though, in the sense in, in the way of you do have these underage, well, not underage, but young Jedi who are not yeah. fully prepared for this. They're being rushed into knighthood for the sake of the war. And that would, and obviously, someone like General Grievous, who does not have the ability to force, would be able to take advantage of that disadvantage on their part. And again, that and that was the brilliance of this the two thousand three micro series mm-hmm. that nobody is appreciating. It's like, and that's the problem with again, not to get into my overall macro problems with Star Wars, but now there's like again, Zenger, you you remember this. In between three years of waiting for a new movie, it caused you to go back, rewatch things, yeah, scrutinize them, appreciate them, and you'd sit there have more fondness for them as time went on. Much like how we're having this exact conversation right now, it's like um, again, I know people like Forces of Destiny, and unless they keep that going, it's a regular thing. But let's just for the sake of argument, let's pretend that Forces of Destiny just runs the first season and the second season. And, and that's it. They're not doing any more Forces of Destiny. Well, think about it. The micro-series is at least 12 years old, and we're still talking about it. And a lot of people consider that a high point of the Star Wars of Star Wars in general, even including the main films. Oh, I, lot, I definitely do. I, well, yeah. I, can, I mean, I, I like what they did with the Clone Wars. I have nothing against that, but to me, this is... When when someone tells me what what were the Clone Wars like, I'm like this right here. This this and some of the comic stuff that they because they they did so much stuff with the comics too, and there's certain characters that never got the light of day, like Dirge, and you know there's so many other events that happened that would be awesome to be still in part of Star Wars, but they're not right now because nope. you know they had to do a few different things, which is it's fine. It's just one of those things to where I wish they could you know, kind of maybe acknowledge or kind of give some more credence to some of the stuff. Yeah. I think basically going back to my point though, I was trying to make with forces of destiny was it's like, like 10 years from now, no one's going to really remember forces of destiny, not because it's a lack of quality or because any sort of gender identity politics of it. It's because there's just so much new content. It's that so you do I guess and I think we all agree we all liked Forces of Destiny I, I think, mm-hmm. as we all yeah. know I love I love the the cat being taken away from the little girl I love that <laughs> but it's like it's gonna be forgotten because there's so much stuff but back during the, the micro series for 
two years, that was really the only new Star Wars we got. It was so rare to actually get new Star Wars in between Star Wars films. It was truly an event. And now it's just, oh, if we don't have four, think about it. When Forces of Destiny was coming out in July, we had the Inferno Squad book. We had, oh God, what else was going on at that time? I'm just trying to think, but, but still, we have so much stuff going on now. When you do get good things, they get washed away because the Lucasfilm has created this novelty culture with Star Wars where we're only focused on what's new. We're only focused on again. We have a we have ADD. It's only what's it's the shiny keys in front of us at the exact moment that's ahead. It's like oh, we're all excited for the Last Jedi now, and then guess what? In five months, we're not going to care about that because the Han Solo movie is going to be out. And then once that's over with, we're, we're going to be caring about Episode Nine. And then once Episode Nine's over, with, we're not going to care about that anymore. We're only going to be caring about the Obi Wan spinoff movie. And I think that's going to eventually be the death. That's what Lucasfilm does not understand. They are. It's just this sprint of just new, 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 new until eventually it's like you get burnt out. It's like you call me. I, I, there's this new. I, I'm not even sure if you're aware of this, Sanger. Did you know there's a Luke Skywalker book coming out at the end of the next month? Really? Yeah. What's it supposed get, to be well, based around? Well, that's the issue. Apparently, it's going to be kind of like. Um, oh god, how did I even describe it? It's like a, it's about a bunch of like uh, smugglers on a ship, and they're going somewhere. It's like imagine like a pirate ship, and they're okay. telling each other all these different tales of Luke Skywalker. So you're going to see, and it's not just simply going to be a regurgitation of the original trilogy. It's also going to be all these things that happened to Luke. It's part of the the Road to the Last Jedi series, where it's going to be like all these tales that people heard about him, like all these things that happened during the events post Return of the Jedi. Maybe I don't know, maybe a couple might happen before that. I don't know for certain. But like, think about it. We, I, nobody's advertising this. This is a brand new book about the most secretive character of Star Wars post Lucasfilm sale. Perhaps, maybe other than Boba Fett, and nobody's talking about it. You know why? Because nobody knows about it. There is so much stuff coming out, you can't even keep track of it anymore. We have the Phasma book. We have Rebels starting up. We have the Leia Princess of Alderaan book. We have the the marketing the comics, to the last technically have, that the the Phasma comics. That's why there's too much stuff to keep up with. And unless it's something like really seismic, like when they were trying to claim Han Solo had a wife, I, I forget her what? name. Oh, you didn't hear about that? No, I mean maybe I did, and I just kind of this ignored is, it. This was a couple. I think it was a couple years ago. They, like whoever it was, there was this this woman who was claiming to be Han Solo's wife. Uh, I think she was. It was part of like a scheme he was trying to do. But like mm. it was like one. It was like I think it was like the third or fourth um, comic in, in a series. And it actually ends with "I'm looking for my husband." And I think it's Princess Leia goes, "Who's your husband? His name is Han Solo." And that's just how it ends. Everyone was like, "Oh my god, is this woman going to be in, in the Han Solo standoff film?" And, and I'm sitting there like, "Oh please." It's like the next issue is going to show it's some sort of con he's trying to do. And this woman either took it too seriously or she's looking for her cut that Han Solo duped her out of. And then guess what? That's what it was. It was some sort of scheme he, de- he, he developed. And it's just like – and unless they do something really that seismic with it, no one remembers any of this stuff. And, I, and even get, you get people from Lucasfilm saying, well, you don't need to read everything. It's just there to enhance stuff if you want. 
And it's like, that's fine. Like, you don't have to burn yourself out on all this. But at the same time, by, by producing so much of it, you're diluting the value of it. All right, I'm getting off my soapbox. Thank you. <laughs> there we go. I'm okay, okay. I'm, I'm a ground floor. But no, actually, that's what frustrates me about Star Wars. It's like, like when people sit there, like you, I, I see this on Twitter all the time. You hear people say, this is the greatest time to be alive for a Star Wars fan. I'm like, no, is it's it? not. It's not. It's the first. Because you know what it is? These are the people that binge watch six TV series in a weekend. It's like, yeah, if you like, it's like kind of like going to a restaurant. And it's like, oh, and you have to inhale your appetizer, main entree, and dessert in three minutes. And like, if you like doing that, that's fine to each his own. But you cannot do that and then tell me that it's the greatest time to be alive or it's the greatest way to eat a meal. I admit, you know, it is awesome to have everything available right now in Star Wars. It, it's really cool to be seeing new stuff. It, it is, it is definitely amazing. But it's kind of you don't have any time to. You're, 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 you're right. It is like you're eating your entire meal at one time instead of savoring it. Yep. Because that's the thing. Maybe that's why the the old Clone Wars series resonates with me so well is because it was this like, it was the only thing. Like that was available outside of the movies. Like it wasn't something else. And now, I mean, we got so much stuff, which is great. It's just, you kind of got to focus in on certain elements and kind of enjoy what you want to focus on instead of trying to take it all in. Cause I feel like you'd overload mm-hmm. on it. And that's what it is though. And it's also the law of diminishing returns. It's like the reason why Marvel dies works because you sit there, have, I think about Marvel has been doing comics for over 50 years where these characters have done so many stupid things. It's like the people who, who eat, sleep and drink this sort of stuff have accepted the absurdity of it at the end of the day. Oh yeah. And, and, and guess what though? The comic books were a monthly thing back in the day. So people were used to having, not being inundated with it, but they were used to having it as a constant presence. Star Wars was a once in every three year ordeal and then it disappeared for a long time. And then, and I know a lot of people, and this is another thing I absolutely hate with the Star Wars fandom, like people who were actually convinced Star Wars was going to die out in the early 2010s. It's like, Oh, yeah, you know, I remember that. It's like people are like, oh, like, it's a lot of this sort of, again, revisionist fan thinking. We're like, I, well, even though I wasn't deeply entrenched in Star Wars fandom in the early 2010s, I was still part of it. I still read fan sites. I still went to all the collecting news sites. Like, I, I, I wasn't as passionate about it and that was more in part to my circumstance just being in college where it just wasn't a priority at that time but it's just the fandom was not dying it wasn't and i remember and you also hear all these weird stories and it's another again i'd love to sit down and have a conversation with pablo hidalgo not 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 for canon reasons or anything like that but like he'll i've seen him tweet to people saying oh the clone wars 2008 series was a financial loss for lucasfilm i go well how is that possible? Because if it is, that's the accounting department's fault. Because how Lucasfilm was running or how they were doing the 2008 series was Cartoon Network was obviously paying them a, uh, a fee, to ha- not a fee, but was paying them something in order to have the broadcast rights to that. And obviously, that I would imagine whatever they were paying probably did not make up the entire budget of the show. And what probably Lucasfilm used to make up the other part of the budget was probably merchandise sales. And 
So if the show was losing money, that's an accounting error. Not that the show was not popular. You can say the show underperformed ratings-wise and didn't get the viewership that they, they projected. That's fine. But, you, but saying that the show lost money from a, doesn't make sense because you don't walk into it. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like someone telling the fans what they want them to think. And I think there's a lot of that going on with Lucasfilm now. It's like, we don't want to tell you the truth. We're going to tell you what we want you to believe. True. I guess I'm putting my my tinfoil hat on right now, but like I said, I, I, I've been following Stop the movie stealing business. That from me. <laughs> but no, it's just it's just the whole idea of, and that's one thing that just bothers me about again one of the many things that bothers me with Lucasfilm. Like I, said, I have a love hate relationship with them right now. It seems like for every one genuinely good decision they make, there's about two steps backwards. And again, and the sad can, part is the fan base eats it up. Yeah, I can see that. And the problem is that even if you try to have like a rational argument with someone in the fan base and say, hey, like, like somebody's out there screaming, this is the greatest time to be a Star Wars fan. And then you say, excuse me, I'd like to argue that point with you. You get called being, you, you get screamed at for being a, a Debbie Downer or a Killjoy. And it's like, no, you can, you can have a difference of opinions as long as you can back it up. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I, I love it. On the Rebel Scum forums, I love pointing out to people that Rogue One was a production nightmare, and I get told no, and, so, and that's literally the entire. Oh, it was. There's so much of that film that we'll never see. I know, and and it's. I mean, I'm not saying that you know that's a that's an example of it being a nightmare, but at the same time, it obviously completely changed what it was originally going to be. So. Yep. Yeah, and that's the problem. Yeah. Is that, and there is this, there is this, and, the, and what really scares me is that there's this ever-growing segment of the fandom that will not let you criticize anything about Star Wars. You criticize, even it can be as minute as the paint application on a, on a toy, and they'll attack you and say, who are you to be sitting there criticizing this? And so you can't, like, and that's why I keep saying where you're walking on eggshells with the Star Wars fan base. Because th- for some reason, there's, there's, not, there's no dissent allowed. Like it used to be, and a lot of that has grown out of the, the protection of the, the prequels. And it's like, people are, like, I love the prequels. Like, I would, I would choose the prequels over the original trilogy in The Force Awakens any day of the week. But it's like, if somebody has an argument, there are, if you have an argument with well-backed up points, you can, you can argue that. It's like, like, are the prequels flawless? Of course not. But as long as you have an argument, you can you can you can complain about them. You can't say they suck because too much CG. That that that's a vague argument. But as long as you sit there, can eloquently put forth a theory and back it up with points, I have no complaints with that. You can, you can argue anything. You might not be right at the end of the day, but as long as you put forth your best idea, who am I to argue? Or at least tell who am I to shut you down? I mean, I don't know if you listened to Zingness this week. I but, did not. But man, um, the backfire immediately from us discussing Anakin being in there. Oh? Hayden Christian being in there was was really... Oh, really? Really interesting. Because we, we, we had somebody who's been on our show before instantly like sent me like a freaking novel explaining his argument. And he's like, he's like, Here, here's my argument if you want to read it. And I'm like sitting there like... <laughs> and what episode is this? Yeah, the Queen City slash Jedi wrap up. All right, I'll go. I'll make sure. No, I'll it's that. it's just great because I mean we we respond to the to the Pablo thing that apparently that that is supposed to be Rex allegedly, yes. even though he didn't confirm it because somebody else, of course, as you said, butted in. 
Yep, that's always what happens to Papa. As soon as, in, as, soon as somebody the, gets a word of something that he's involved yeah, with, they all you guys, the by the way, are the ones that pointed out that he had actually messaged, uh, like responded. Like I didn't even notice the notification at first, yeah. and then you guys are like, "But," and I'm like, "What the hell are they?" Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yep, that's what so, happens usually. That's what man. That's another part that's frustrating. So yeah, no, but we we discussed it because, ironically enough. Star Wars um, theories put out an episode discussing why it is Hayden Christensen. Oh, like around the same exact time we did the episode. Oh, really? And I'm like, that's weird. And his justification of it is this, and we 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 discuss it. It is your Force Ghost is when you died as a Jedi. That's who, you know, that's the force ghost you become. Since he died, since technically he died as, you know, the Hayden Christensen version, that's why he looks that way. Is because that's the Hayden uh, Christensen version of him is the one that actually died. Gotcha. But I kind of, we, we argued back with that and said that I'm like, there's technically two, almost two timelines of Star Wars now, in my opinion. There's the original the original trilogy is unaltered, just the straight up original stuff that was released in the seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. That's one canon. But now, after you're able to go pick in part and do stuff with the special editions, and you have the original trilogy now and all of the EU stuff, there's the new canon to where you can retroactively be like, "Oh, that's why it's Hayden Christensen." I am one hundred percent sure they did not intend to do that from the get go. That no. no one sat there and went, this is why this is. It was a retcon later that somebody else pointed out. So, no. I mean, it, it, here's the thing. Does it work? Yes. Is it the worst? I mean, is it, is it terrible? No. It's just, it's, it's just there as a Star Wars thing now to where, like, I feel like you can only argue or discuss stuff so much before it just turns into, like, a just roundabout thing. Well, yeah. Eventually, it comes down to, we don't get a say in any of this. So, what's the point of arguing about it? I mean, we, we can say stuff all we want, because like I said, in my opinion, episodes one, two, and three, to an extent, if if I really want to be my genuine Star Wars fan to myself and be a freaking conceited jerk, mm-hmm. aren't my prequels. That's not what I envisioned. That is not my point of view of them. Because I had, just from just stuff that Obi-Wan said, stuff that's pointed out, I just... I don't know. It just it seems so drastically different. So I mean, do I watch them and enjoy them? Yes, but there's there's a certain thing in my mind from when I used to watch Star Wars as a kid, how I envisioned the prequels going is completely different. Mm. Yeah, I can get on board. Like, with I, that. I I I seriously like Vader never knew he was having a kids at all. Like that's I don't think because his revelation is something that I don't think he even knew he was going to be having kids in the original cut of it like and and the whole he he was seeking power he was you know doing this and that and it just obi-wan sort of explanation just doesn't it it lines up better with sort of the the i guess head cannon i had than the cannon mm-hmm. that comes out now but i mean it do do the pieces fit yeah i mean if you take a hammer and hit puzzle pieces enough i'm sure they'll fit together <laughs> so that's 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 the thing with star wars now it's it's kind of become this new thing yeah, I think that's the unfortunate reality of it. So there's my rant, and I could make it to air or not. I don't care. <laughs> uh, there's enough ranting on this episode. I might put it at the very end. <laughs> After this, there's two hours of ranting. 
You can keep listening or hit that stop button. I won't punish you for either. (laughs) So concludes this episode of the Knights of Vader, the Star Wars podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at KOV Podcast. Make sure to check out SkywardFunSupply.com for all your toy needs. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes. For questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, contact me, Zach, on Twitter at RogueKnight, K-N-I-T. Where can people find you guys? Uh, you can, of course, find me on the Zingness podcast discussing nerdy topics every week. Oh, boy. All right, everybody. Have a good night. Later. Bye-bye.